Welcome to the Reputation Capital Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And today on this podcast, we're traveling all the way to Tampa, Florida. We're, we're talking to somebody who can type 100 words per minute. Fun fact. She did use the word typewriter. So I, I, I held back from asking, but I'm wondering if she can type 100 words a minute on a typewriter, because that really impresses well, me. Well, I suspect so, because she did talk about her training to be a legal secretary. That was probably before the days of keyboards. Speaking of the days before keyboards, we talk about me being a sort of Gandalf figure to her Frodo. That was a little weird. Mm -hmm. uh, and heads on spikes. That was pretty weird. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> she went, <laughs> yeah, that's enough. That's enough of a teaser. You gotta listen to this one. Uh, it's a whole lot of fun. Here's Kathleen Steffi. So nice to see you, Kathleen. I have to say, all right, so we were already talking about video and audio. So let's start there. Um, you, you you like sort of walking around, listening to podcasts and, and things like that. What do you what do you listen to? What's on your playlist? Yeah, mostly recruiting related podcasts, recruiting tech related. Like, I, for enjoyment, it's it's like just your time off. You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go into some more work stuff. Well, I mean, I don't have too much time off. So let's say when I'm working out, that's my time off to just stop for a minute and maybe listen to what's going on in the marketplace. Got it. So it's like up leveling your brain a little bit in a yeah, chill space. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I do. So what is going on? What is going on in the marketplace? It's nuts right now, right? I mean, we're also talking about that, the great resignation. resignation. Yeah. yeah so, so, so what, what do you see that's a little different than what others might see? Uh, about what's happening right now? I'm seeing a lot. The demand is pretty wild right now from employers. It's unbelievable in terms of needing staff and needing our help. Just people are leaving their organizations due to the pandemic. And it's not necessarily for money. They may have now noticed a certain lifestyle that they're really um, now accustomed to it, enjoying and their bosses or employers won't allow them to work from home anymore. You know, now there's a request to do a hybrid situation, things like that. So just I think that people have learned that they like work-life balance and they've gotten to know their kids during this time in quarantine and working at home and, you know, they want to stick to it. I think it's been revolutionary, to be honest. You sure it's not about the sweatpants and, and, and sandals? and? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I think that that's a component too. Are you kidding? Like I wear my workout clothes all day long. I work out in the morning and then for the rest of the day, I'm wearing, I know that sounds disgusting, but by the time I, I have to shower at night before I go to bed, but yeah, no, it's a benefit. It's, it relaxes us in a way, doesn't it? So, I, so. I, I'm glad you're on the call today because I really want to ask somebody who actually knows the industry, something that has been bothering me for some years. For at least a couple of years, uh, job seekers have found themselves to be ghosted by recruiters. 
Um, they, they make an application, they never hear anything, they may get the first couple of interviews, they never hear anything, they're totally ghosted. So now I'm hearing recruiters complaining about job seekers ghosting them even after they've received an offer, uh, even after they've accepted an offer and they simply don't turn up. Is this just stories that we're hearing in social media or is this a real thing that's going on? I think there's a component of realness to this what you're saying, but then there's also so many levels of it. I mean, we don't experience candidates ghosting us at offer stage and things like that. Like the caliber of candidates that we deal with in the marketplace is a bit higher. Mm -hmm. So they're not, they're not doing that. You know, I think it just really depends. I think recruiters, (laughs) they have a bad rep for a variety of reasons, but ghosting, I would say is one of them because Candidates don't pay recruiters, employers do. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a quick speed dating situation. If you're not what I need, I need to move on pretty quickly. (laughs) I can't spend a lot of time here, you know? And I I think there's a component, and I've always talked about this with my team. How do we not have one night stands, even if it's a one night stand, guys? You know, like how how do we not make them feel that way? And- the truth of it is you can't stay on the phone with them all the time and check in with people that you can't place. But we do have different automations that we have in our system and touch points now. And we send out tips automatically, you know, through our throughout applicant tracking system and stuff. So at least they know we're still here and we haven't abandoned them. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you talked about automation because that's another thing I wanted to talk about. When a job description is written, a really smart applicant will use the same terms that are in the job description in their cover letter and or their resume because automation is looking for specific words. Have you found, and I know you're at more executive level, so probably not the same, but have you found potential candidates, I guess you don't know, potential candidates slipping through the net because they don't play the game the same way? Yeah. First of all, I'm about to say something that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> Nobody wants a cover letter. Oh, I, I know that. But a lot of people still say do cover letters. So um, no one wants a cover letter. So we don't read them. Um, we don't need them. We don't read them. It's all about matching, like you're saying, different keywords in the CV mm-hmm. um, so so we can move forward. Is there a disadvantage to those that don't play the game? I would say, yeah. And I don't know that it's a game. And the reason I say that is because if they don't have the skill set for the job, we're going to find it out anyway. So they can they can say what they want in their resume to match the job description. But on that first phone screen, when you're screening them, it's irrelevant what they've put on their resume, <laughs> you know, because we ask like five core questions to, to weed people out to make sure they're a fit. But that, that's assuming they get the interview. So I'm thinking about the people who are perfect candidates who don't do that keyword game. game. And so they, they, they talk about what they've done in different terms and yet they're the perfect candidate. No? I don't know. No? If, they've got, if they've got a solid background and good tenure and they're in the industry we need and they show they've had successes, we're really not – getting that granular about the keywords. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's just, you know, 
there's there's a lot of really bad information out there, and a lot of anecdotal stuff that people talk about, and it's it's great to find somebody who's willing to actually talk truthfully and factually uh, and with experience. So thank you. So there's an interesting. So I'm on my side of the shop. I I like to talk about branding and words and vocabulary. So when I think about recruiting, I've talked to a lot of recruiters about this, it feels pretty awful from everybody's perspective. It's kind of icky. It's like headhunting and acquisition and and it's just gross. The whole thing is like, it's sort of a this weird transactional thing. It's almost like the, the vibe of a prenup or something, right? It's like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's just kind of creepy. It's just a little bit icky. It right? is. It's like stale. I mean, how do you make it sexy, right? And you don't, you don't call yourself those things you're saying. Like, I mean, I hate when people say hand hunter. It's such a, I'd say, 80s term for what we do. You know? Um, I've, acqu- I've acquired a girlfriend. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we, no, uh, my wife and I have acquired a child. Or, you know, I mean, it's like, wow. Right. How has this gone from people who feel things to acquiring them in an acquisition? Who did that? By the way, that's just a sexy name for recruiting. Somehow, like the the word recruiting that everyone used up until the 2000s now is talent acquisition. And if you don't call yourself that, you're not going to come up in in branding and keyword searches, you know, from candidates, employers and stuff. So So now the funniest thing I read is somebody who is head of people and talent acquisition. And I'm going, really? Really? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's changed, hasn't it? So business, I mean, thought leadership, job seekers, employers, everybody is wanting to be at the top of their game because that's where the competition is. But you as the matchmaker between employer and job seeker or employer and person who is not necessarily seeking a job but you want them anyway, how do you balance the, the whole business aspect of that? Because you've got two people you're trying to serve, and we all know you can't serve two people at the same time. I think you have to just work at a really, really high professional level level on both ends, like without question. Like the way that we communicate and engage with candidates needs to be operating at the same level as major you know, executives from employers. And that's when the respect happens, the mutual respect that that candidate knows that we're of the caliber that has the right employers, right? That I'm presenting the right information. They can trust me in this partnership. And likewise with that that customer. So I really view them as the same, even though the candidate's not paying us for our services, we need to impress them because there are future leaders, there are future hiring managers and customers. So at any given time, we are always looking at how do we how do we do better and right by that candidate. So it's a little bit like the real estate industry where the person who you're trying to impress is not the person that's actually going to be paying you. Because in the real estate game, you find a buyer for a house, the seller pays you but you want the buyer to be happy so that they use you when they're ready to move on. Yeah, that's true. Now, employers, though, you've got to, they're our number one. 
I will say. If if we're not impressing them and giving them what they need, we're out. So every time. So they're our number one. That's my, I would say, insanity when it comes to pleasing them and making sure that we're taking care of them and executing. So they're, they're always our number one and always will be because without them, there's no need to even go get a candidate. <laughs> In a sort of Charlie Brown kind of way, Snoopy, um, Peanuts, where there's the, the, the teacher who goes wah, 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 right? But where all the little people are balding already and, and have adult traits. Back when you were, you know, probably six or seven years old, what kind of little adult were you? Aw, I love this question. I'm still little, by the way. I'm under five feet. I'm 4'11". No way. Well, I'm, I'm large. I'm a little adult. I'm 6'7", so wow. I'm a large adult. All right. Yeah. Um, my daughter's boyfriend's 6'8", so. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like Gandalf and, and um, what's his name? Uh, 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 Frodo, right? They, when they hang out together, it's, yeah, funny. Yeah. What kind of little person was I at seven? Um, I think I was very, I was creative. I was very curious, insecure, had a lot to learn. Yeah, I would say those are kind of the top things that come to my mind. So creative and insecure, uh, how have those informed your good work as a recruiter? Um, the creativity... You have to keep going in order to find the right candidates and you can't stop. So you have to be a critical thinker and, and really continue to create ways to get them, you know, and find them. It's really the tools to find them and how to find them, how to communicate with them when you're finding and things like that. Yeah. So that, that piece, the, the piece about the insecurity as a child, you develop ways to feel secure it might be you back up against the wall at a party uh, it might be uh, that you learn how to communicate how to be a chameleon how to mirror people so are you at dinner parties kind of like trying to figure out what job people should have uh, <laughs> um no i don't do the job route because i feel that would be so annoying but i am the person at the dinner party oh, let me let me give you a real life like example i was I went away for the weekend with some girlfriends and in our final dinner, we sat down and we were all, you know, having a lovely time. And I said, before we leave each other, let's, let's tell each other. And we're a very tight group. I said, let's tell each other what is one thing that's let that you're really proud of right now in your life. And one thing that's like bothering you. <laughs> I always, I go there. Like I want to, I want to hear from people like realness. And I, I do, I just want to hear like authentic, um, that's why you probably saw me light up when you asked about the little girl thing. Cause I, that's getting to, to know somebody at a different level and that's how I operate. I, I love that. So that may have just answered the question I'm about to ask, but maybe not. So we went from a kind of insecure seven-year-old to an adult who at dinner parties wants to know the deepest, darkest secrets of everybody at the table. And so now I say, to you, Kathleen, what makes you unique in the recruitment and executive search field? What is unique about you that candidates like and that your clients actually want to come and work with you again and again and again? What? Not, not your qualifications, but what is unique? 
just being authentic and maybe they can see that in the personality. Like you said, forget the qualifications, but underneath that, maybe you guys can sense even who I might or what I might be like right now in this conversation, right? You're getting a sense of. Yeah, I I can tell you right now, I'd love to have you as a dinner party guest. I would love it. It'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be awesome. I, I would absolutely. Yeah. And so I, you know, maybe they see that. Maybe they see the goodness in me and the upbringing that I had just in conversation. You know, and maybe they see that there is an edge to me that's still insecure and I'm trying to please, but in a good way. Right. And I'm very honest. Sometimes I don't want to say too honest. I think that's a cop out. I'm honest. I'm an honest person, but with a smile, (laughs) you know, and with a chuckle here and there. And I think they appreciate it. I think I'm they're not threatened by me. And then when they see me and I'm as little as I am, then they're like, I never knew. (laughs) then it's even more like approachable and they're like, all right, come on over, you know, I don't know. So. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So as a, uh, you know, you're small, you're in stature. Yes. You're, you're a giant in the way you think. And those two things are, are very interesting dichotomy. You're insecure and yet you're willing to ask tough questions and you're honest. So how do you grow a business when you're all these things? Um, I don't care about failing. I and I I keep trying. I I'm an optimistic person, like major major. Like if there's a will, there's a way, and that's truly my mindset. I you never, I never stop. You know, like trying. And I mean, obviously the craft was there, and I was able to execute and be able to do this job that I do and then teach others. But I mean, fundamentally, you just can't give up. You have to keep being creative, like I said, and be a critical thinker, be humble. I'm very humble. I'm always trying to learn new things constantly, just like on my walks and listening to the the podcast about recruiting and such. So I don't know, all those things combined, it just keeps it moving forward like a train. So where do you see the this industry, the recruiting industry, going over the next 10 to 20 years? What what changes are you seeing? I don't know about 10 or 20 years. Maybe the next five years I can comment. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go, go with five years. Let's go five years. Um, certainly, you know, technology is changing the game with recruiting, like, without question. And... People aren't talking to others on the phone anymore, unfortunately, as a first step, either in the selling process or recruiting process. So I see technology continuing to be on the forefront in in offering texting and email automation and pinging people in different social ways that, let's say, isn't taboo, because that's, that's what we're doing right now. And it's becoming more acceptable from consumers and people we want to recruit. I think there's still going to be a very strong need for recruiting firms to actually source and recruit and evaluate candidates and bring them to the table because the bottom line is it's about time. Like employers just don't have the time to do this or the resources to do it. And I just don't see that recruiting firms are going to start declining and being obsolete due to some magical thing that happens in corporations. I think people have been talking about that for a good 25 years that like robots are going to replace us and stuff like that. It's just not happening. I don't even see it happening 10 to 20 years from now. I I think 
they they need the personal evaluation from a human body in order to help employers get what they need done. But yeah, um, next five years still going strong. I don't know when this bubble is going to burst. I'd like to know. I wish I had <laughs> that type of forecast in terms of how much demand there is right now. Um, and I need to do some more due diligence to see what people are saying out there. But for the most part, you know, keep and steady. That's awesome. So it's speaking about the little insecure kid, very confident adult. What kind of environment did you grow up in? And was it just, you know, a given that you were going to kind of headhunt people? You, you just had that. Everyone around you said she's going to become a, a good headhunter. There were, there were heads on spikes all all around your garden, your your family. Right? Garden. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. My dad was blue collar, and he worked his way up to like a foreman role and led roofers. And my mom it, was an educator all her life, and I've got tons of educators and academic folk that surround me. So hard work ethic was taught to me very young, for sure. I wasn't book smart growing up, but I got things done. So my confidence started to build when I got a job at a vet, <laughs> a veterinarian, when I became an assistant to the doctors. And I worked all through high school and college at this vet. So I was like borderline not certified anything, but I was assisting with surgeries, giving prescriptions, <laughs> like all this stuff. You know, I can't believe I was doing at like 18 years old. And I still, I think I, I literally, my confidence level today, I still feel like I know everything. Like if somebody has something wrong with their dog, I like, I'm like telling them, oh, it's this, da, 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 da. Anyway, I thought I was going to be a legal secretary. My parents didn't really guide me towards going to like college, big name colleges or anything like that. Obviously, I couldn't get in, but they just weren't, they weren't giving me the tools that me and my husband give my, my daughters today in, in the college application process and all that stuff. So I feel like I was kind of left behind with that. And I researched my own and I went to a very small private business college and I got my bachelor's degree in Chicago. And then I got a master's degree in business leadership. But through my, my academic journey, that's the competition just kept building. The classrooms were so small. I realized I don't want to be a legal secretary. I wanted to go on and, and major in business. Um, I can type, I'm not kidding you, like 100 words per minute because I thought I was going to be a legal secretary. <laughs> that's a fun fact about me. I'm like insane on the typewriter. People don't know about me. And then when they hear me typing, they're like, is that you? I'm like, yeah, I wanted to be a legal secretary at one point. I tell everyone this. But anyway, long story short, I feel like I'm rambling. But no, I didn't know I was going to be a headhunter. And I've been in this industry now for like 25 years. So I've, I've stayed in it. I love it. I love the joy of it. It makes me feel good. I feel like I'm connecting people with a greater cause. And I like the hunt. I like the hunt and the accomplishment of that. So like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the... Um the deer you're aiming at or the, um, I don't know, the newt that you're catching in your trap. I don't know. I'm not sure. Or gra groundhog, maybe a groundhog you're catching in your trap. No, but I, I think it, your humor is really fun. I think the, your <laughs> willingness to take all of our crazy questions is fun. 
<laughs> where would you want people to look you up and uh, who would you want to, to kind of pop out of the bushes and say hi? Just Google my name, not to sound whatever, but just Google Kathleen Steffi and I'll pop up. I'm everywhere, all over social. And then you'll come across our webpage, navigarecruiting.com during that search. Who would I want to pop up? I don't know. Maybe my dad. I know. I know you didn't mean that, but maybe my dad. He passed away about five years ago. So that's who. That was really nice. Um, nice to think about about your dad. And um, hey, I think maybe he's listening to this podcast. So let's let's all lift up a, a shout here to your dad. I think that we and and just to say the that blue collar journey we're actually a little bit obsessed with. We we think it's a fascinating one. Folks who who grow up building things and fixing things and doing things who then kind of like we say on one of our other properties go from a blue collar to a blue suit. I know. I love it. There is a lot to be said about it. A lot to be said about it. So. So thank you very much for chatting with us. It was a real pleasure. It was fun. It was ridiculous. And um, we didn't quite go, you know, off the other side of the reservation, but we were close. Okay. (laughs) I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Kathleen. Well, you're quite a a humorous and fiery character for somebody of such small stature. I really enjoyed our time together. And thank you for for running with the crazy questions. Yeah, and and if if I know anyone who wants their head to be on a spike, you will be my first first call. Just kidding. It was fun that you humored me in asking, you know, talking about recruiting that way and talking about the terminology and how things are going. And it was really fun to speak because you know, we're in such a weird time. Uh, and you talked uh, before the call about being really busy right now because everyone is switching careers and quitting and restarting and all of that. So it's quite a timely discussion. And you know, Dr. Kent, a lot of people are, are leaving their careers or leaving their jobs and wanting to start their own businesses, wanting to do their own thing. They're, they're sick of the man, they're sick of the corporate life. Those people could go to one of our websites, crazymba.com, and maybe get some guidance on how to to go through that process. Or they could go to thoughtpartnergroup.com. So come visit us at crazymba.com. Don't fuck anything up this week, and we'll see you soon.